Welcome to the Biz and Mayhem podcast, where we talk about the mayhem in our lives and how to get ahead in business and your career. This is Chris Batchelor, and I'm here with my co-host, Tara Parker. Let's get started. Well, everyone, welcome back to the second episode of the Biz and Mayhem podcast, where we're going to talk about business, your career, and some self-help topics. I'm here with my co-host, Tara Parker. How are you doing today, Tara? Pretty good, Chris. How about you? I'm pretty good. Let's go into our first segment, the newsroom. This is the newsroom. So the first thing that we've got on the the agenda tonight is uh, here in Kansas, Governor Kelly has extended the coronavirus stay-at-home order clear into May. But I think it's early May or I don't know. Yeah. I haven't. Is it is it OK? So it's early May. So May, this order, May 3rd is, yeah, May May 3rd. 3rd is when she extended it to. So basically a couple more weeks from now. Right. We we're at uh, we're recording this tonight. It's Wednesday, April 15th, the old tax day. And uh, mm-hmm. so now we've got uh, basically uh, two more weeks of uh, two and a half more weeks of this uh, quarantine. This quarantine. Yeah, it's uh kind of a frustrating a little bit kind of looking forward to getting our hair done getting our nails done getting back to the the momentum of life only to be told no just stay right there pause go back and yeah, so now I think what's, what do we do in, yeah i mean you know it's it's important everybody social distance and and not spread this virus right um and i know you're a little bit of a conspiracy theorist right and i'm I like to tease you about that sometimes, but, uh, you know, what's your take on this? Cause as of tonight, when we're recording, there's been, uh, around 1500 cases in Kansas, uh, 76 deaths and, and, you know, we're both in the Wichita area. Uh, right. there's only been three deaths in Cedric County and there's something like 300,000 people in, in the Wichita metro area. So, uh, you know, what's your take on this? Do the numbers support shutting down the, the state and the economy for, you know, over a month? I don't think they do. Honestly, I think if we just have some best practices that are managed by our employers, you know, the hand washing and social distancing, keeping your workspace clean, I think that does a really fine job. I was in a conversation last night. I, I serve on a nonprofit organization as a board member there. And the, the conversation circled around the idea of this is the Midwest. Everything hits us last. Everything hits the, the coast first. And by the time it hits us, it's old news. It's over. It's done with. And we're kind of on the, the back cycle of things. And so I kind of think, I don't know if this is a, hey, look at me stance from our political leadership from the state or what's what's happening. But I'm just, I'm not a, I'm not a go for this. I don't, I'm not yeah. following it very well. I, 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 maybe I'm missing something or I'm an idiot. I don't know, but anything's possible, but no, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with this. So it's, well, what it, about you? Where you are you at? Well, if you look at the Google news site, they've got a nice little map here and you can see new cases over time. And, um, you know, the, you got to look at the bar graph one, cause that shows you the new cases per day. Um, and you know, the, the, the governor came out and said, well, we haven't peaked yet. We're going to peak in about two weeks. Um, but if you look at the numbers, that's really not what that's showing. It looks like we peaked mm-hmm. around four, eight, uh, and then it's been going down since then. So yeah. I guess a couple more weeks and we'll see if that, that holds true or if we actually have not peaked yet, but maybe we're just in a lull, but 
I just wonder how, how much longer people are going to stand for this. I mean, if she extends this thing another month after the May 3rd, I, I, I think there's going to be some serious issues. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, given the overall mindset of our state, the overall, maybe even the political mindset of our state, as far as, as far as our society is concerned, no, I don't think they're going to stand for this very long. I think they're just going to go out and, you know, kind of flip their thumb at the governor and say, we're going to do it our way. We're sick of this. And that's it. So now I, it'll be interesting, interesting to see what the next few weeks brings for us. I, but I, I don't think this is the way to go just yet. I, in fact, I think I saw somewhere that she said she wanted to see two weeks of declining numbers before she would lift the order. Two weeks yeah. of declining numbers. Well, that's a long time when you're talking about stuff like this. And then, you know, if you look at Kansas, you have Wichita, which is, you know, a, a small metropolitan area. And you have, right. you know, a Kansas City area, which, uh, you know, by East Coast standards is also a small metropolitan area. Yeah. Um, but even then there are cities uh, in Kansas here. If you look look at a lot of the land in Kansas, it's very rural. And, yes. you know, I mean, there are places in this state where we have less than 10 people per square mile. Yep. Well, I mean, that's in stark contrast to like New York City where there's, you know, oh. hundreds of thousands elbow of people per elbow. square mile. So. Elbow to elbow. Well, I think the numbers are a bit misleading in Cali County, which is just outside of um, where the Wichita, the county that Wichita is in. They have they show a 100 percent death rate for this this virus. Well, what's misleading about that? There's been one case in Cali County. One. Yeah. And unfortunate, they they did succumb to the the illness, and we don't know anything about this individual. We don't know any underlying circumstances or medical issues they were experiencing prior to that would have exasperated this virus. But those, I think, people need to be very careful about the numbers that are being produced in in the media. Um, no matter who or what that media is, really do some research out there and see what those numbers mean. There's always a bigger story. I think that's why I'm not not totally behind this order just yet. Yeah, the, the statistics are, can always be misleading. And, uh, and certainly uh, the people that want to skew the data one way or the other mm -hmm. will figure out a way to make the statistics say, you know, a compelling story for what they want. So, yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Uh, next up, we've got <laughs> Trump pulls uh, the WHO funding, says organization mm -hmm. must be held accountable. And they're talking about the uh, World Health Organization, not the old band yeah. from the 70s, right? It's hard to make that discernment, though. I'm trying to figure out where the heck he gets off pulling funding from that band. But yeah, you're right. It's the World <laughs> Health Organization. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of chatter right now going on on the internet, on Facebook and LinkedIn and some people are mad that he's pulling it and some people are happy that he's pulling it. And, um, you know, but it does look like there was, uh, at least some, um, you know, misrepresentation of information coming out of the world health organization. So, uh, I'm kind of with him on this. If that's true, then we probably shouldn't be funding them until we can get that stopped and then maybe start the funding again. Um, I, I don't think right. that he's going to pull the funding forever, but I, I think right. this is a pretty classic Trump where he's, he's, uh, making a move. He's making a power move to get a negotiation, uh, footing. Right. So right. if he takes the funding away from the who, then he's, he's got a place to negotiate from, you know? Well, and I think the U S is the biggest contributor to the who financially speaking. So I think this this says a lot that he's there's some information somewhere that he's looked at that says no we're not going to support you guys financially until you get your things together. 
So you kind of have to wonder what's going on that we don't get to see as the, uh, as the world <laughs> that this thing supports. <laughs> you mean the U.S. It, it just makes you <laughs> right. <laughs> the U.S. Exactly. <laughs> so you have to wonder if, if we are the biggest supporter, which I think is what I had seen on the website. I think it, it's going to say a lot. And I think you'll see a lot of action come out of that one. And, and a lot of criticism as it would be, you know, it wouldn't be Trump if there wasn't criticism everywhere he went. Sure. Yeah, I'm convinced mm -hmm. that Trump could cure cancer at this point, and somebody would complain that he was ta uh, robbing somebody of their right to die. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Unfortunately, I would agree with you because that's how it goes. It's cannot please everyone, and probably shouldn't either, as it goes. Yeah. All right. But, well, on a lighter yeah. note, uh, our next one up is uh, Tom Hanks hosts Saturday Night Live for their first ever remotely pre-recorded show. So not so live. Um, but I thought this <laughs> not so live. the not so live i think they should have called it that the saturday night not so live show, not so live show. exactly well so. you know and i i didn't realize i had seen something on this and i didn't realize that this was what this was geared on because i'd heard that there was a lot of criticism and a lot of i don't know for luck for luck of a better better term bullying that his kitchen was too small his kitchen That's was what, huge <laughs> did you watch the video <laughs> No, I'm just going off of the. Like, uh, I like was you listening could literally to literally have a salsa dance with like like three or four couples in his kitchen. I don't know what they're talking and about. I don't know either. I need to go back and take a look at this thing because all I could hear about on this other show I was listening to, uh, which is based out of uh, Nebraska, was that people were upset and criticizing Tom Hanks and his wife for having too small a kitchen for being the lavish and successful actors that they are. I was yeah. like, what does it matter? He's hosting a show. Like, he's healthy. He just came out of this virus with his wife. He's living proof that this thing is beatable. And you guys want to criticize him about where he cooks his breakfast in the morning? Seriously? It, it just goes <laughs> to show you that people have nothing to talk about sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. I exactly. So did you watch cool. the show? I, I didn't watch the show, but I did watch the uh, the little YouTube bit of his opening. Because, you know, I, I mean, to me, Saturday Night Live was good, like, 20, 30 years ago. Right. And right. a lot of the newer stuff just is too political. And I just, I just don't have the stomach for it, but I, I do yeah. like Tom Hanks. So I did watch his opening and it was really cute. Um, he did kind of <laughs> razz on the whole, we're doing this pre-recorded and so it's not live. And, uh, but I thought it was kind of funny because at the end he gave an acknowledgement to how, you know, you know, let's face it, this Saturday Night Live, there's going to be some good bits and there's going to be some bits that that's kind of stink, you know. So I thought that was kind of cool, um, you know, because he's really genuine about it. And I think, um, you know, people today, if they're genuine, even if it, you know, the, the content is kind of bad, but if they're genuine, you'll, you're going to connect with them. Right. So right. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. They kind of showed some of the other um, I watched some of the other little bits from from the other folks on saturday night live and they're basically you know recording this stuff at their houses you know yeah. by themselves and so i mean it's as good as it can be for that but um i i just thought it was really cool because tom hanks you know apparently was in his real kitchen which is right. kind of cool right well and, this is uh, it i'm looking at a picture of it. it looks great i don't see the problem with this why do people yeah. care it looks no, awesome. I, I think it was great. They obviously had, you know, professional video, you know, in his house. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the other play people looked like they had webcams, but, uh, you know, his, his looked really well produced and, um, you know, it sounded good. And, and, you know, Tom is fantastic. I mean, he's just super nice guy. He's real genuine. Yeah. Um, you know, and he, uh, you know, he had a couple little good quips in there. So I, I thought that was pretty cool, but 
you know, I want to talk about it on here because I think it's important to realize that, you know, Hey, we are in a new kind of phase of world life, (laughs) you know? And so thinking out of the box is really important at this stage, you know, and if Saturday night live can take a show that they've done exclusively live for, you know, how many ever years they've done it and do a pre-recorded show, then uh, I think, you know, I mean, whatever you're doing, obviously there's some jobs out there that you can't do remotely. Right. Right. Uh, but I think there's a lot of ways that you can think out of the box to, to help you, um, do, do your job, uh, in the best way possible, but, but, uh, being able to do it remotely. Well, the fact that they're doing something, they're still trying to carry on. They're not letting this, this whole ordeal hold them back as far as SNL and other shows are concerned. They're still trying to press forward. And I think they're setting a good example in that alone. Yeah. I think the, the example was good. And, uh, you know, his comedy, He's, he's really not a comedian, but I, I think uh, I was entertained by, by watching him as I usually am. So um, <laughs> I was kind of waiting for like, uh, for Wilson from Castaway right. to show up or, you know. But, you kind of hope for that piano from the, the movie Big that was a little bit of a comedic relief. Yeah. <laughs> and you're kind of waiting for that, something like that to pop out in a situation like this. And, you know, looking at the, I'm just looking at the, the paused video and it's like, God, I really hope that piano shows up and he and his wife just do this little duet. That'd be so cool. But that would be you know, awesome. Not- <laughs> have, have you seen the meme about Tom Hanks? It says, I'm never traveling with Tom Hanks. And it shows you all of the movies that he's in that have been like disaster <laughs> travel movies. It's no, but fantastic. isn't that so true? I, I mean, mean he's in he just, Apollo 13, you know, going to the moon right. that goes wrong. Well, even, he's in Castaway. Even staying home. Uh, he played home. in Sully. <laughs> yep. Well, even in staying home. I mean, if you remember, he played in the blur, the, the burbs where yeah. there's dead bodies in a, another house or something. And, <laughs> you know, right. he just has the worst run of luck. So he's kind of like, you're cool, but you're cool from over there. Way over yeah. there. We'll watch you. You're, you're, we observe you. We, we admire yeah. you from afar. He's awesome. He is. Yeah. I, he's, he's one of those actors I'd really like to meet in real life and um, see if, if that genuine nature that you feel like you get from him is, is right there with him in real life, too, because I feel like it probably would be. Yeah. So check it out. Tom Hanks hosting the Saturday Night Not So Live first ever <laughs> remote so pre-recorded nice. show. <laughs> All right. Our, our next two news topic here is uh, our, our old friend, Bernie. Bernie, uh, Bernie Sanders. Feel the burn. He's officially burned out. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I, I beat you yes, too. You, you did. Well, this is funny. We talked about this last week, Chris, on our, on our last recording that we hadn't heard anything regarding the, the presidential campaign. Everything has been drowned out by COVID-19. And so with, with just a few days ago, hearing Bernie drop out, you think, oh, well, there it is. I guess we still have a race. I, it, apparently so. I don't, I don't know where it's at, but um, Bernie seems to have not, he's no longer in it, whatever that yeah. is. And so, um, but I, I did see some memes. So I'm assuming that there is some new support for Biden um, in the form of Bernie, which is funny because the meme saying, and the guy that I have told you, I don't trust for the, the last several months. I now trust to run the country. You should side <laughs> yeah. with him. And then Obama, apparently there is some talk that he is supporting Biden on the, the ticket. Yeah, well, so of I, found course, this, right. I found this right. I mean, that would be really bad, bad PR if your own former boss didn't support you and taking over his position at some point in time, because yeah. you'd like to think that your boss grooms you to take over his position should there be an opportunity, either intentionally or otherwise, at some point in time. So, sure. yeah, I, I wasn't I don't know if I was surprised or I guess I was surprised to hear there was still a campaign. 
Um, yeah. Whether or not I was surprised to hear Bernie was out of it. I don't know, relieved, maybe a little bit. I don't know. It's, I did see the meme though that said, you know, six weeks of socialism and Bernie Sanders drops out the the presidential campaign. <laughs> I did see that meme? I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> I want to know. I guess, I guess it's normal when, uh, you know, when somebody drops out of the presidential race, does the rest of the money in their in their campaign fund go to the Democratic candidate? You know, uh, or I think the candidate in their same in their same, uh, you know. And they're in the same um, DNC party. You, yeah, in the same you do party. have to wonder. You do have to wonder. Those memes are also coming out quite a bit, talking and in, in at least giving the story that all the money that Bernie has made. Now, I don't think he can. I think legally that money does have to go somewhere, and I don't think it goes in his back pocket. But I think the memes yeah. are hilarious because um, it does look like, hey, I, I was trying, and thanks for the money, and I'm out of here. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I do believe that because it's a, a nonprofit type of organization that those campaigns are ran under, and if if somebody can correct us, that'd be great. But I don't believe that he gets that money at all. I think he gets the money that he's quote unquote, not really made <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, yep. Cause there's a lot of memes about how he has not made his money that he has. But with this, well, you, I, it would be interesting to look and see and follow that money trail that has been supporting his campaign this entire time. Well, I think if you're going to follow the, the socialist, uh, you know, uh, mantra of everybody gets everything equally. I mean, mm -hmm. shouldn't he have to distribute his funds equally between the DNC and the RNC? Right. Wouldn't that make sense? And anything else yeah. that's underneath it? I mean, that just, that, that would be, that would be socialism as we understand it. Um, I'm sure there are some heads out there that are blowing up right now saying that we don't understand socialism, but the overall understanding of socialism is just that, but I don't know. So now we did, well, we're down to Biden and Trump anyway. Biden and Trump. And I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it at this. I saw a news article, I guess, a year or two ago, and um, uh, Bernie Sanders had asked people to stop sending him economics textbooks because he had literally <laughs> too many at his campaign headquarters. So many people had mailed them, mailed him an economics textbook. So I, I guess awesome. uh, we won't be hearing from Bernie too much anymore, maybe till the next presidential election if he's still around then so if he's still around and, and seen out you know what he he's ought to getting do up those, there he is you know what he ought to do with those economy books is he should send them over to his buddy aoc i understand that she is um she could she could benefit from them she could benefit from that all right well that's the news for this uh show let's uh go on to the next segment our career workout it's time to work that career and lift and push and lift and push you got it now harder lift and push it's the career workout so where are we at so the career workout how to choose a mentor so this is my area i'm excited to talk about this i'm gonna um i'm gonna talk about mentoring because i i have used mentors for a number of years i currently have one and i know a lot of people kind of wonder how do you get a mentor? How do you go about establishing that relationship? And you know, Chris, have you ever had a mentor? Have you sought one out? Have you, do you have one now? Um, I I've had people that have helped me in my career that I've asked, you know, questions for and, uh, questions to and, and gotten advice from, um, you know, I've never really, uh, you know, kind of, uh, gone to one too regularly, but I think it would be helpful. Is, is it, is it kind of like a therapist where you go, you know, every week or every two weeks or how does it work? Well, not really the, the when you get into the therapist part of it, that's kind of more of a, a coach and it's still not a counselor or a therapist. Coaches don't diagnose. And that's the big difference between the two. But mentoring is, is just kind of, as you described, it's a relationship where you go ask questions to get answers from somebody that may not be your immediate leadership or your immediate supervisor. 
And so in my case, I've always found somebody that I didn't immediately report to necessarily. Now, I've always used my immediate supervisors as my mentors, whether they knew it or not. I always watched them and learned from them. And, you know, they've, they're obviously in their position for reason. And I try to learn what that reason is so I can see if that fits me. And I can also use those qualities and those skills that they have. But there's there's two major ways you you get the mentor. And one, as you kind of pointed out, just asking, you know, pointing out to somebody, hey, do you, can you mentor me? Can we do this? And in doing that, you, you do have to have some goals in mind and, you know, the right mentor is going to sit down with you and determine those, those goals with you and plot those goals out and help you stay on the track for those goals. And then the other kind of mentor is just that person that you go to for advice and some understanding. You know, for instance, I, I have somebody at, in, at my job where I run into a roadblock and I'll go to this individual and say, you know, I, I think I'm missing something. What, what am I missing? What's going on and how can I get better about that? Now, the reason why you choose a mentor is typically it's some people think it's somebody that you know that likes you and that's nice and that's good and well and all but it's really somebody you admire and you have to, you have to admire something about them either they have the skills that you want because they've they've gotten where they are somehow so they've got these skills and these traits that you want or you share the same skills and traits and you need to figure out how to leverage your own to get higher up your career ladder and so um, you know, I don't know how in your position, Chris, I know you mentioned before that you've got a team. And so apparently you've got some leadership going on. And have you had any experience yourself with somebody that you've been mentoring, whether you knew it or not? Yeah, I think, uh, well, now that you put it that way, I've definitely have people uh, throughout my career that I would go to and ask questions about. Um, and I think you made a couple of good points there. Um, one is that they're not in your, you know, direct chain of command leadership. Um, I think that's important because it helps them have a little bit of an objective uh, mind mm -hmm. um, to not be so close to it. And, and I think when they're outside of that leadership chain, uh, they definitely don't have the same uh, skin in the fight that you would have with right. that issue. So I think that helps out a lot. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, as a leader, uh, you generally try and mentor your, your, uh, you know, your team as best you can. And uh, right. I think I, uh, you know, from being a parent, I think being a parent <laughs> is being, being a mentor, you know? And so, it is. um, you know, and so I do that with my team. I, I try and recognize the different, um, you know, personality types and, and different characteristics of my team. And, um, I don't necessarily, uh, you know, try and help everybody out the same way. Right. right. Um, so you try and I think tailor that to what's going to be, what's going to resonate for that individual, um, and, you know, there are, there are some things I think that I do for the team that's kind of consistent across the board. Um, you know, one is transparency. Uh, mm -hmm. When I do uh, my weekly reports, you know, I send out a common link to everybody and I ask everybody to type in their, their notes for the week so that we can do our reporting. So I try and make it as transparent as I can. I don't, I don't try and hide anything. Um, right. You know, another big one for me, um, you know, as being a leader, and I think, um, you know, leadership is an example type thing, right? So you, you know, yes. you lead by example. Um, so another thing I try and do as a leader is I try and, and be, like I said, as transparent as I can, uh, there, you know, there are just some things that you can't be very transparent about for, right. for different reasons, uh, or things that you have to be careful about. But generally when I get information that I can, you know, get out to the team, I make an effort to do that as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's I, and good. I, and I try and tell the team as much as I can. Um, you know, obviously there's situations where you can't tell somebody everything, yeah. 
Um, but, uh, you know, but within reason, try and get, get as much information out there as you can and be, um, kind of genuine and honest about it. Um, right. cause you know, part of being a leader, a lot of times is delivering bad news, which really sucks. Yeah. Um, so I think you get good at, at delivering, you know, bad news after a while. Which um, is a skill. It, it, that is it, a good skill, actually. It's, it, it is most it's, it's hard to come by. <laughs> and it, it's, yeah. You only get good at it by experience, unfortunately. And it's interesting because everything that you're describing falls under one word, and that's trust. And you, right. it sounds like you really build a good, strong foundation of trust with your team. And that's very important in the mentoring relationship is that you trust that person has your best interest at heart, no matter what that interest may be. And so it's, and it's like you said, having those difficult conversations, this isn't the right path for you. This isn't the right, um, the right position for you to be trying for. I know with, um, there's sometimes that I've been told that, Hey, Tara, you should apply for this position. It'll be great for you. And I think, Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have picked that one for myself. And, and that's kind of the point. Sometimes you don't see outside the box the way others do. And they can fit you and align you better with positions because they can see from the outside and and the outside looking in is different from the inside looking out. And so, um, and and the other, the other thing you're describing about mentorship is it's an intentional relationship, but it's not intentionally mentoring. It's a spontaneous mentoring relationship, which a lot of people don't realize that they have that with their immediate supervisor. And, but it's always a mutual agreement somehow one way or another, be it within the, the chain of command, as you said, or it's somebody you seek out, it's still a mutual agreement to be honest, to be trusting and to realize the skills and talents and and just be as authentic in leadership as you can to that person. And so when you're you're picking a mentor, like I said, it's somebody you need to admire either because they have something that you want to develop or you share something with them that you need to figure out how to leverage better. Yeah, I think part of admiring somebody is respect, right? Because I think a yes. lot of what you're talking about here is you need to be able to respect that person. Um, but at the same time, you have to respect them. But I don't think you should pick somebody that um, necessarily is an echo chamber, right? Because I think we can right. get really comfortable with people that are just going to say the same things that we do, right? Like if somebody has the same political outlook as you do there, it's going to be really easy to talk to them because you're going to say, well, I don't like what this person does. And they're, right. they're going to say, yeah, I didn't like what that person does. And and you're basically in an echo chamber, right? Uh, right. So I think it's important. Challenge you. Yeah. Pick, pick somebody that, uh, maybe is going to, uh, you know, not just say yes to you all the time and, and really give you some pushback where you need it. I think that's part of a successful, uh, mentor relationship. I do. Uh, yeah. I would totally agree with that. There's got to be a level of respect and ability to agree to disagree and find that common ground to work from on that basis. Absolutely. And does a mentor always have to be somebody who is above your level? No, I think that, um, I'm, Often I'm sought after as a, if you look at it in the reverse direction, it's kind of seen as a advising when you look at it from the top going down. And so I, I do have somebody who looks to me for advisement. They're clearly above my level at work and yet they trust my perspective and my thought processes, you know, that's gained from the relationship that we've developed at work. And so when this person approaches me with their dilemmas and they can regard coworkers, either their boss or their, their colleagues, they come to me to say, this is my situation. What do you recommend? What do you see that I'm yeah. not seeing? So it can go both ways. It doesn't have to be a, you know, the, just from the lower to the upper, it should go in different directions because you do learn better that way. You can gain different perspectives again, that you can leverage to achieve your goals because it's narrow-minded people don't get very far regardless of right. now they may not have started narrow-minded. 
Um, I know that there's several people who can come up with somebody in management or leadership they can describe as narrow-minded. They didn't start out that way. Right. They may have been focused, but they didn't start out narrow-minded, but they may have ended up narrow-minded. Yeah, I know in leadership, it's oftentimes helpful to to sort of uh, look down, uh, you know, down the uh, the chain of command and, and ask somebody who may be in the trenches, you know, really what's going on. Because I think right. in leadership, it's easy to get a, a certain uh, feeling of how things are going and, and it may not be accurate. Yes. In fact, you should be, you should have somebody in the trenches, somebody that's doing the day-to-day work, the grunt work, so to speak, in your in your back pocket that you can talk to openly to say, what's happening, what's going on, because otherwise you really do lose sight of what the business is actually experiencing and you lose sight of what your people are doing. And so that's it, it, mentoring. It sounds like a very superior term, but it's not, it's a, it's a, it's a lateral term and it should go in any direction that, that helps you develop in your career or per- personally. All right. So to wrap it up, uh, what were the common points here? So you wanted to make sure that it was somebody that you respected, right? Uh, yeah. And then you uh, respect them, you admire them, you find traits that are similar or that you want to obtain. There's something that you want to benefit from gaining their knowledge and their insight. And then either just it, it's a mutual agreement, whether it be intentional or spontaneous, it's a mutual agreement. And you, it, there's that agreement includes it in gr- agreeing to disagree. And so those are the, the main points. Yeah, I think it's a big to to uh, talk though about uh, it has definitely a mutual agreement, right? Because if uh, somebody doesn't have the time for this or they don't want to put in the effort, then you, you're not going to get very far in a, in a relationship, mentor relationship with them. That's right. And I know somebody again at my work that says that they have an individual on their team that wants to be mentored and they don't feel like they have the time to do it. So always know, always get that permission. If, if it's something that's intentional, get that permission. Get out of here, kid. I don't have time for you. <laughs> Go figure it out yourself. (laughs) I thought we'd move on to career fails. Career fail of the week. Let's do do it. What do we got up in career fails? Oh, you know me. I, I enjoy the the dumb question from time to time. And so, uh, posted an article I had seen, I'd, I'd heard about this and I thought this can't be true, but I had actually heard a press conference involving Trump. And I don't know how long ago it was. I need to check the date where a reporter actually asked the president, isn't calling Chinese food racist? And it just, yeah. it, it dumbfounded me. So when I first saw this, I thought this was the Onion News Network, but it's not. <laughs> it's the One America News Network. So you're one letter off <laughs> right. from being a satire site, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it could be, it could go either way, really, with this kind of thing. It's, you're hoping that the reporter understands what they have asked and that they just misspoke. But no, yeah. the, uh, the this this individual asked if Chinese if the term Chinese food was a racist term, and I guess I don't understand. Well, Maybe I'm so misunderstanding to, how racism is being defined nowadays. Has it changed I, since I, guess I was to, in school? To, yeah. So to put this in context, does this does this come back to uh, where um, Trump was talking about the COVID nineteen coming being Chinese and coming from China? And he was calling you know, it the I, China virus. Is, is is that where this came from? I believe so. Yeah, there that that you know this virus comes from China, where he's China. Very, China. He's China. <laughs> I love yes. how he says that. I do too. So it's I, I know he was asked if you know this if, if referring to the virus was racist, and I know that he declined to believe that it was, and um, 
also what? asking about, I think that, I think it was, you know, asking the president, do you consider the term Chinese food to be racist because the food originated from China and, and they're trying to compare, a, you know, an, a food to the virus because they're trying to make the virus racist saying that, you know, and, and there is hate crimes that are, have been going on because of this virus. And don't get me wrong. I know they're out there. They're not a lot of them. Uh, at least the media is reporting on them as something big, but I guess I'm just kind of confused as to why somebody would want to make that connection. Is it just to cause trouble? Are they being sincere? Should we change the, the term Chinese food? What are we supposed to do with this? Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a couple of things here that are kind of interesting. I mean, you know, I can see where, um, you know, so there's a thought that, and, and to some extent it's true. I mean, the media does have a lot of influence over people's behaviors, right? Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working on my master's in media psychology and, and that's part of what we study is, you know, how does, how does media and how does the, uh, you know, the things that people read and the things that people hear, how does it influence what they do? Um, right. and so the, you know, the thought goes, well, you know, if you talk badly about a race of people, then that's going to cause other people to treat the other race badly. Right. Which, um, I think that does happen. And I think there's a lot of evidence to show that there's, there's a connection there. Right. So, um, you know, you definitely don't want to go out there and, um, you know, stir up a, a, you know, problem basically. Right. Right. Um, right. but you know, I, to me, this whole, you know, Chinese food thing is kind of funny because I, I've never personally been to China, but I, I, you know, I have heard, uh, people that I know that, that are, you know, Asian, uh, background talk about American Chinese food is not being really Chinese at all. Right. right. It's, it's Americanized just like Italian food is Americanized. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can't go to Italy and expect that you're going to get served stuff that the Olive Garden serves. Right. I mean, right. your Italian grandmother would probably <laughs> kick your butt if you brought over Olive Garden to her house. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I think to me, that's the kind of the, the media, the comedy part of the media is, you know, there's talking about Chinese food being Chinese. Like, well, you can tell Trump is a CEO because he just says, well, it's the dumbest question I've ever heard. Uh, you know, if, if he was an engineer, he'd be saying, well, are you talking about American Chinese food or can't, you know, I mean, China Chinese food or what are you talking about? You know, China Chinese. <laughs> but, uh, I, I do think that we've gotten to the point in our conversation, uh, not in your and I conversation, but as a national conversation about racism. I mean, just because you call, you classify a food, that doesn't mean it's racist, right? Well, that's, I, I think, it's, you know, it, again, it's classifying it, it's categorizing it, it's, it's it, essentially labeling it. And that's how, you know, how else would you describe it? How else would you go about it? You know, it's, it's, I, I don't know, I guess because we've been raised with it, that's all we've ever known it to be. We, you've never, you don't really question these things until somebody else does. And it, it takes something like this to, yeah. to bring forth the question, if there is a question to even explore. Well, I think, I certainly think there's more conversation to have here, right? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think the way that, you know, to, to, to me, I look at this as, uh, you know, a reporter's going to report, right? Uh, you know, haters going to hate kind of thing. Uh, and they, you know, they tried to make a, uh, they tried to make a, you know, comparison to, you know, to Trump's, you know, Chinese comment. And I, I think yeah. it kind of fell flat personally, but, um, you know, I, I think if you look at this in, in context of, um, you know, work and your career, right. I think one thing you can take away from this is if you're going to be critical, 
um, you know, don't use something that uh, that is going to be hard to make the connection with. Right. Um, if you're going right. to use an example, <laughs> use a clear example. Well, have a platform that you're building off of. Don't just go off your emotions because I know some of this is emotionally based. It's an emotional time right now with all of this going on. But as you said, if you're going to have a a criticism to offer, back it up. Why are you making that criticism? And it's okay to back it up. Even if what you have backing it is not legit, that just gives you an opportunity to learn. But just saying, hey, because this, that you think this virus is Chinese, does that, and it's, you know, people are getting hurt because of that, do you think this food is now racist too? And, you know, just you have a better yeah. argument, something, well, something thought-provoking at least. I mean, and at this point in time, as we're recording this, uh, there's a lot of speculation that this virus, uh, uh, you know, started out in China, but we have no proof, mm-hmm. right? And who really mm-hmm. knows? Like, you know, I mean, it's going to take a lot of scientific evidence to prove that something came from exactly one place in the world. Right. Um, so I I think, you know, blaming the virus to be Chinese or whatever. Uh, I mean, I think that's just silly on its face because it's a virus and it affects everybody, no matter what race you are, or, you know, uh, what group of people you're in, you're still susceptible to it. So, um, I mean, that, I that's why we have numbers and names for these things. And we don't call it the China 2 virus or something, right? I mean, exactly. <laughs> we call it COVID-19 and, and that's yes. just it. So, you know, I think it's just, you know, I think the whole thing is kind of silly. Well, I think it's just a way to, I think this is the debate that's put out there to create ratings, to create, um, to create viewers, just to, just to bring up more um, drama in the media pot and it works for some people. I just, to me, I'm just like, really, don't we have better things to argue about? Yeah, I think it it definitely sensationalizes it, but for some, some people who consume media, this, this is the kind of stuff that they kind of latch onto and then they'll go, Oh, Oh, Trump is, you know, they'll, they'll hate on, you know, whoever the subject is of this thing. Right. So, um, Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, it's kind of sensational and silly and you know, all that. I, I just wish we could get back to having some more genuine conversations about this stuff because, um, you know, I do think that people, you know, Chinese are kind of, you know, they don't want us to call it the China virus. Cause right. you know, I mean, like I said, we don't really know if it's from China or not. And I don't think it's fair to, to, you know, call it that even after we do figure out exactly where it came from. Like I said, it's, you know, it's got a number. Let's call it by that. You know, there's no think, need to, to bring anything else into the conversation. I don't know that it matters where it came from. What matters is where is it going and how are we going to, you know, work against it? How are we going to circumvent it? We, we can't defeat the flu. That's why we have a flu v- uh, vaccination every year. Right. And so I think focusing on this particular virus and its past isn't going to do us any good. I think looking forward, as some of our scientists and experts have been trying to do, is the best way to go about it. But, you know, again, to your point... The media needs something to latch on to, something to get people excited about. And what better way than to, you know, use the the racist term after all the racism conversations that have been occurring the last several years. It it fits the narrative, to be honest. Yeah, it, it definitely fits the narrative. And uh, yeah, well, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I mean, you know, the biggest thing to remember is, you know, just not to treat people from China any differently <laughs> over exactly. this whole thing, you know, be nice to people, um, just be a nice person. That's all. It's, I mean, I think, I think cool. there's a line there though, because, you know, countries are definitely going to have different responses to this mm-hmm. stuff in the future. Right. And 
Um, it's yeah. looking like China wasn't completely honest with their inform, you know, the the information that they had on this virus. And so, um, what bothers me is that we may have different restrictions on different countries based on how they share their health information. Um, and if China is known as a country that doesn't, you know, very truthfully share their health information, then they may have different restrictions than other countries. And that's mm-hmm. not racist. Okay, that's based right. on you know, scientific evidence of, Hey, you are at a greater risk because your country does not share the information. And I think right. that, you know, at that point you're going to see the reporters and then the media jump all over Well, this is racist. Cause they did the same thing when, uh, when they were starting to do some of the travel restrictions from these other countries, it's like, no, we're not trying to be racist right. here. We're, tr- we're trying to be <laughs> smart about who we let into the country. Um, you know, and, yeah, and you see a lot of that same argument used in the borders and, and uh, legal immigration, and all those kinds of issues. So um, I yeah. think there's a big distinction to be made there between, you know, what is actual racism, which is, you know, saying that because somebody is a certain color or, you know, from a certain area, or from a certain country that they have different mm-hmm. rights than other people. Um, I think that there's a, uh, you know, there's certainly a line to uh, to be drawn there. But Um, you know, and, and some points it's a fine line, right? Because if you restrict somebody from a country from coming in, because, you know, you may have a valid reason, like, you know, they're not sharing health information or whatever, then, um, that's something that can be easily abused. Right. Uh, Right. As it has been. You have to be really, really careful about that stuff. Yeah, I agree. All right. Are you ready to talk tech? Always. Let's talk tech. You're in the IT corner. So I came across this article. Um, have you heard about Zoom bombing? Zoom, I see. I think I heard something about this um, related to my children's schooling because my children do use Zoom. And they are. there is discussion about, I think, pets and siblings Zoom bombing during school sessions, I think, but oh, no, I, it gets much better than that. Oh, so, no, uh, no. so zoom was like the big, like, Oh, we're being saved by zoom. Right. Because now everybody's working remotely. And so right. zoom stock went up like nuts. Right. I mean, it just, you right. know, if you had money to invest, you could have become a instant millionaire. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, so zoom became really popular. Well, all these people are using zoom now. Um, so people were using random number generators or, or what a thing that's called a war dialer. And they were generating the, the numbers to get into zoom conference calls and just randomly joining people's zoom conference calls. Oh, um, and so, no. you know, this is kind of like a hackers type thing, right? Oh, okay. Uh, that explains it. I, I did so, hear something about this. Um, apparently there were some naked dudes doing this that uh were you know got into some child some some school uh things so not not good at all but the the good news about all this is it's really simple to prevent right so all you have to do is start a zoom chat with a freaking password so (laughs) password protect your zoom chats and then people can't randomly dial in and join your deal right i mean it's just so simple lock the front door give the key to the people you want to let in Right. When I think, I think what I was hearing now that you mentioned this, I do recall hearing something this morning about this that teachers are requiring 
the students' names, the real names, so that the 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 class list matches the Zoom list, and that right. some kids are trying to be funny, claiming that you know they'll type in the personal um, ID as Batman or Robin oh, or God. you know the Avenger, whatever it is. And the teacher's <laughs> like, "I'm not letting you in if your name does yeah. not match what it's supposed to be. Not letting you in." And so I can see now why. And you know how do, it's it's funny. Cause you want it to be funny, obviously, but then at the same time, if you're, it's it, it, that's kind of dangerous. I mean, there's yeah. out of nowhere people can be exposing themselves and these children of any age. I mean, I have an, a nine-year-old in the elementary school system that's on Zoom. I'm sure um, you've got a child that's also using Zoom. And so yep, both, I, both it, my kids are. Yeah. And it makes it, that's kind of makes me want to sit there and watch in now. And I mean, my, my daughter's pretty, you know, she's a pretty logical child while still very emotional. And she would take stuff like that and be like, oh my God, mom, do you know what I saw today? And so I don't think it would traumatize her, but not all kids are like mine. So there are going to be some yeah. kids who would be really upset by seeing something they were not expecting in the virtual classroom. So it's, you know, so shame on those guys who are doing this, you know, this thing to harm and upset and expose themselves and children to that. But at the same time, it's kind of like, why weren't we smart enough to think how to prevent this in the first place? Oh my like, God. There are some weirdos out there, right? But oh my the God. good news is it's super easy to fix. I mean, right. Well, that's just the thing. Just that's just the thing. Smart. It's, it's, it was preventable to begin with, but and, and, and to the, the school systems out there, I know it's been really difficult. You go from having a classroom setting and in no time flat, you're trying to put thousands of kids in a virtual classroom yeah. that you're not prepared for. Oh my for. gosh, they're, they're doing a fantastic job. They for, are. They, for the time they and the are. resources, they're just well, there's, you got to know they had to have thought of thousands of details to make this virtual online platform work when they had very little training and understanding of it. And then I'm sure that only uncovered thousands more details once they were, once they launched it and everybody was in there, such as this, this Zoom bombing. And so you know, kudos to the, the, you know, all the teaching organizations out there that are making this work and are trying to fight this firsthand and trying to think of everything up front when, how do you do that? How do you think yeah. of everything up front? And of course, you're not going to think that somebody's going to hack a virtual classroom and expose himself or zoom bomb it. But gosh, it just, it goes to show that when you have too much time on your hands and you are furloughed or you're at home because there's a stay at home order. You're going to think of all kinds I'm of things to entertain yourself. <laughs> What's that? I said, I'm guessing these people didn't have jobs. That's, that's I, I, if, they, if they're able to stay home and play on zoom and hack zoom, then I'm assuming that they don't either. They're using their skills though. I mean, they're, they're keeping up with their skill sets. So good for them. But yeah. at the same time, man, I, you don't want to get caught doing that. Cause I can just imagine. Oh uh -huh. my goodness. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Oh Although, you know, I mean, if you were to do this at work, not the naked part, obviously, but if you were to, like, <laughs> you know, just randomly show up in a, into these uh, video conferences that people are having at work. And I, I mean, that I could see where that would be entertaining for people, right? Well, you know, yeah, somebody doing like the Egyptian dance back behind you as, as you're trying to have a, a, a meeting just to lighten the, the flow of things or, you know, whatever you can come up with funny hats or red lipstick that your daughter yeah. gives you. We were talking about last time, but. Or the word yeah. of the week. If you have barking to me and use the word of the week. We got to get that so funny. For anybody who doesn't know, we, we have this, uh, you know, thing at work where we uh, will put up a random word on the whiteboard and in your, uh, the uh, sort of, it's kind of like from, uh, what was it? The movie Super Troopers, you know, where they did the meow thing. And uh, <laughs> yes. you have to try and use that word in a meeting. Yes. And, uh, 
we, we've had a lot of fun with that one, but, but I can see we're doing that and bouncing in people's meetings and trying to work that word into a sentence or two would be kind of fun. Oh my goodness. I'm going to, Oh, there's so many ideas. And so, so little time. How long is our stay at home order? How much time do I, I have? Know, to make happen? <laughs> What's going on, meow? What's going on? Is meow a good time? It's meowing. You know, it's, it's funny. Is, uh, I'll be in a staff meeting with, with my boss and, and I'll do that every once in a while and he'll just crack <laughs> up. It's great. A great way to just break the tension. It is. It break the, absolutely break the tension. Oh my goodness. That's so funny. We, uh, we'll have to see what we come up with now. That's, that's intriguing <laughs> to me. <laughs> All right. Next up is media madness. <laughs> Welcome to media madness. Media Madness. I'm excited to share my book this week. So what is your I, book, Tara? my book looks rather dark. <laughs> so I go from emotional agility to this is it's a longer title this time. So I think I got you beat, but it's when violence is the answer, learning how to do what it takes when your life is at stake. And this book is by the author's not there yet. Um, Tim Larkin. And so this book was recommended to me. Uh, by a, a close personal friend who realized that I'm not always on, I'm not always in tune with my personal surroundings. So, um, you know, sometimes I'll just completely tune out of everything around me to focus on what's in front of me. And I had somebody made the comment, you know, might be a good idea to be aware of what's around you, be aware of the world around you. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, whatever. So I, I, I actually listened to this book. I did it as an audio book and it's so if you had a page turner book, a virtual version of a page turner book, this is it. I wanted to keep driving so I could keep listening. It was just awesome. And this guy's got a, a, I think he's got a military history. I can't remember exactly, but he's done a lot of studies about violence and people's habits towards them. And when people, how people operate under pressure. And so what he was trying to get across is when, you know, your life's at stake, when, when things are not safe, how are you going to respond? It's that fight or flight response that he was, you know, really focusing on and talking about you do anything you can, where, you know, what, how do you need to know what parts of the body to attack in order to take out your aggressor, no matter how big they are. Cause he did Mm -hmm. make a very strong point. It doesn't matter your aggressor size in relation to yours. What matters is who knows how to take out the other person faster. You know, who knows how to look at those vulnerable weak spots, hit them and get out of there. One, um, one of the examples he gave is, you know, a little guy up against a big guy and all the little guy has to do is take out a, you know, take out an eye or go for a, a you know, the knee or the ankle, you know, a joint. So he just talks right. about the weaknesses, the vulnerabilities of the body. He also talked about when he did a study within a prison and that these, um, it was a great um, thing that he shared. These prison guards had gotten this new armor and the, the convicts could not figure out what, what it was, how to get around it because they'd have all these riots and fights, you know, just like, you would typically see on a Hollywood m- movie that kind of stuff happens. These fights do break out, mm-hmm. and these these armed guards have to take care of themselves somehow. And Tim Larkin, the author of this book, had said they would literally watch as these guys would cause fights on purpose to grab the guards and feel the body armor on them, so they would know that what body armor is weaker on the side. So when we get our shanks, we want to hit them on the side so that way we can take them out faster. Wow. And so he took this kind of information, said, you've got to be aware of where those vulnerabilities are on the body and, you know, take that information, be ready to fight, be ready to take out your opponent no matter what. And it's people trying to reason with the, the aggressing force versus just fighting that force 
that lose the battle more often than not. And so mm. I just thought it was a really great book. And so I know last week I talked about how I use one of my two earbuds because I like to be aware of my surroundings. And this book right. is what really led me to that. And I'm a tall, slender female. I don't look like I'm all that tough. I mean, I got a mouth on me, but that's not going to protect me. That's probably what's going to get me into trouble. Uh. And so <laughs> this, this thing really... Um, gave me a lot of insight and gave me a lot of confidence that if I'm by myself and I get into a fix and I feel like I could handle myself a little bit better with this information. Right. So highly recommended awesome. guys and girls, both doesn't matter who you well, are, what um, you are. That sounds like a great book. I think I've just added it to my uh, audible <laughs> here. So we'll put a link in the show notes. Be sure to check that out. Um, I did have um, one of the books by, um, by uh, Mark. Uh, I think it's Mark Manson, but uh, I decided yeah. to change my pick at the last minute. Yeah. Um, the whole uh, being at home way too much with this stupid <laughs> virus thing. Um, I actually have been watching a little more TV than I usually do. And I actually came across this uh, doc, this docu series called McMillions on, uh, on, I actually watched it on Hulu, but there's a bunch of different places you can catch it on. And it's, it's not too long. It's uh, I think six or seven episodes. Uh, man, once you get into this thing, you just like, they, they stop it at exactly the right point. And you're like, Oh, I got to see what goes on. You know, <laughs> I, I ended up watching this whole thing over the span of about two days. Oh, wow. Uh, but remember the McDonald's monopoly game? Yeah. You, you yeah. ever play that? You know, we're coming oh, a little on it. Remember of the, okay. course. So, so this goes into it where, um, it, and this is going back into, uh, I think it was the early nineties. Uh, the FBI got this tip that the the game was rigged, right? And so they go through the whole. They interview the FBI agents and the and the Justice Department people and all this kind of stuff. And it's just a it's a fantastic um, show. And I'm I'm usually not one of the ones that likes this crime and murder kind of stuff, but I mean this was just absolutely fascinating to watch. Wow. Um, and it just goes to show you if you think how you know how your business works, uh, then you you may uh, you may be wrong. So, uh, Ooh, fantastic, wow. fantastic watch. I'm going to have to take a look at that one. That sounds exciting. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really, uh, you know, it was a <clears throat> kind of a, you know, a docu-series, but it was very, very entertaining. And it, it's like, uh, you know, I haven't gotten to watch that tiger show yet, but man, it's like, <laughs> is this going to get any worse? And then, and then it oh, takes God. another turn and you're like, holy crap. Like, I can't <laughs> believe that just happened. Right. So. <laughs> Great so show. did you say this is on it's on Hulu only or where can we get that at? Uh so if you go to the link that I put in the show notes, um mm -hmm. it was actually a HBO show, so it was really well produced. Um and it's also on Hulu, it looks like. Um so you can get it on HBO or Hulu is what the okay. website here says. Uh but it was it came out this year in twenty twenty and uh man, a fantastic, fantastic show. Um they did uh really really good job of of going through and talking about everything that happened and uh and really keeping it entertaining at the same time oh wow that's awesome i'm excited to see it we'll take a look and then i put another link in here um yeah. the link is how covid19 has impacted media consumption by generation uh and i thought this was really Ooh. interesting um and so you know if you take a look at uh at the link here it's a bunch of charts. Um, and so they talk about, you know, uh, basically you've got Gen Z, the millennials and Gen X yeah. and then the boomers. Right? Um, right. And there's, there's one chart at the bottom that shows them all laid on top of each other. Uh, but it's interesting to show that, uh, you know, different generations 
consume media in different ways, right? Yeah. Um, and so if you look at it uh, on the graphic here, um, broadcast TV is up way for the boomers. So that's your older generation, um, yeah. but really not so much for your millennials. Uh, and, and so, uh, I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? Broadcast TV right. is kind of old school. Um, online videos is way up for Gen Z and for mm -hmm. millennials and, and only up marginally like 10, 11% for the boomers. So um, it's really interesting if you're in any sort of marketing and you're trying to target a demographic, uh, this is a fantastic chart because uh, it really shows you, um, you know, now that people have lots of downtime, where are they going to consume their media? Um, and I think this is an interesting time, right? Because, you know, when life is going good, you know, you can get the numbers on what kind of media different generations consume. But this shows you a, a jump, a, a, you know, non-standard jump to um, when people have, at, you know, a lot of time on their hands, where do they tend to go to? Um, right. And that's, that's what this chart shows. So I thought that was really, really kind of interesting. Oh, it is. Um, and it, the background of it, there's uh, there's some research. But there's a bunch of numbers here you can go look at. Um and, and it also tells you what are trustworthy sources according to generations, um, which is also kind of an interesting uh, graphic that, uh, you know, people will, uh, you know, the, uh, the millennials and the, and the, uh, the Gen Zers think that an email newsletter is more trustworthy than a Gen Z or a boomer. So uh, <laughs> kind of interesting, interesting stuff here. There's some information here that I wouldn't necessarily have guessed. Uh, so it kind of challenged my norm, which I thought was interesting. Oh my uh, goodness. Yeah. But yeah, so that is, that's it really, it, it's not what I thought it would be at all. Oh, wow. How'd you come by that? Uh, you know, I just get to random parts of the internet all the time. <laughs> you just kind of get lost. <laughs> You're on you a know, virtual I, escapade. I think that came up on my university's, uh, Facebook feed for the, Oh, wow masters that I'm working on. So, so the last link I've got here is, uh, companies that are hiring for work from home jobs during the whole virus deal. So, uh, if you roll over to that link and again, all these links are in the show notes. Uh, so check that out. Um, it gives you a list of companies that, uh, are, you know, are going to be, uh, you know, hiring for work from home. And I thought the list was kind of interesting. There's some companies on here that I have no idea what they do. Um, and they have links to them. So I'm sure they're, you know, uh, reputable, but, uh, Adobe, uh, is a uh, number one and they make uh, software for creative, uh, you know, so they make Photoshop and video right. editing software and things like that. So they're number one on the list. And I'm not sure. Um, Oh, so the list is uh, posted here according to flex jobs. So it must be by number of jobs open or something like that. Yeah. Um, Aetna is number two. Amazon is number three. Citizens Bank is number four. Uh, Cloud Strike is number five, whatever that is. Uh, Dell is number six. Uh, GitHub is number seven. Healthline Media, number eight. ICF is number nine. Again, whatever that is. K12 is number 10, uh, whatever that is. And Kelly Services, which I think is a staffing services uh, place, yeah, is number one. So. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, right. Salesforce is on here. Red Hat is on here. Phillips is yeah. on here. Um, SAP is on here. Uh so let's see what else. United Health Group, they're massive healthcare organization. Uh, William Sonoma is on there, which is I thought yeah. was kind of interesting because uh, uh, you know they're being retail. I, I wouldn't think that they would be very strong. 
uh, economically. Well, if, they've right. a, if they've got an online presence, though, they can switch to online and ship for free. That draws true, a lot of people. True, yep. I mean, that's what got me to, I just bought a new table and chair set for my dining room because I can get free shipping on it. And like, why not? So sure. there's all kinds of opportunities out there because everybody's going virtual. And that's yep. me. Remote is virtual. It's, you know, you're you're locked in through your home and you're reaching out to the world with a virtual arm. And the, the entire world is your playground via the web. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised at some of these places on here, but I'm not surprised of the number of them on here. I mean, the insurance groups, I, I kind of figured that was going to go that way. I am interested in the uh, financial industry, though. That's a Citizens Bank. Yeah. They recently purchased some some branches here locally. And so it's really interesting that that one is um, decided to take that leap. And it, But it's exciting, though, because if they can do that, then can more jobs be saved? Can we get some of these people off a of furlough? Can they yeah. can you put America yep, back to absolutely. work from the home? So that's so, not a bad idea. Yeah, I think it it's interesting too because if you work from home, you obviously don't have to be tied to a specific area, right? So, um, you know, Adobe I think has a lot of stuff in San Francisco, and um, you know, I, I do a lot of video photography stuff. I've used their stuff for years. I, I, it'd be really cool to work for them, but I don't live in San Francisco, right? So, if there's right. an opportunity to work for them in Kansas, that would be pretty cool. Well, um, yeah, so it might I be mean, worth checking out for somebody. Yeah, there's a lot of great opportunities on there. If you look at it from the remote point of view, that's some really great career uh, resume builders on here. That's awesome. Uh, the article also talks about uh, making sure you tailor your resume for uh, remote work because obviously the skills for remote work are much different uh, from those that from an office worker who goes in every day. So uh, make sure yeah. you tailor it. Uh, now, the, the only talks about this in one paragraph. So uh, if you are going to be putting a resume out for a remote worker, uh, you know, get on Google and find out what are some other uh, some other tips that people have for uh, tailoring your resume or hire a resume writing service and get them to take care of that for you. Yeah, you're going to want to focus on self-discipline, self-starter, self-motivated. Those are those self-induced type of, of qualities and traits. In fact, if you have done an, uh, any degree online, and I know I've done all three of mine online, and Chris, I think you're working on one in the same manner including that you did something like that online is going to be pretty significant because that does require a lot of self-management to get that kind of yep. thing done. And employers are going to re recognize that now. So for those that were questioning as to whether or not online degrees were real, they are. And now we're getting backed up by a, this this very article right here that shows all these different companies going to, to a lot of virtual positions. That is awesome. Yeah. And I think, I think you're only going to see more of this as companies figure out how to do teams remotely. Right. I mean, there's a lot of oh, technology yeah. that's needed to make a team work efficiently remotely, but you know, the, the, uh, the software for that, and, and we'll probably feature some of that on a future episode here. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like Trello is a great example. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft teams is coming into its own, obviously oh, you have yeah. zoom video calls and things like that. So, um, the software is really you know, maturing to, to a point where it's easy to use. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot easier now to work mm -hmm. remotely. And, uh, I think people are taking advantage of that. And I think it's fantastic. So uh, it'd be interesting to see where all this stuff morphs into, uh, in the future. I think this is going to be the new trend is working from home. And when, when businesses realize that they can take that very large leasing expense and trim it down quite a bit to something smaller and their people are working from home and it's productive, you might see that be the new trend, be it virus or not. Yeah, I, I, I'm, 
I'm kind of split on that though, because I think a lot of people are figuring out it's a lot harder to work from home than they thought. Uh, so I think once the virus gets over, you're probably going to see a lot of people that are just begging, please let me yeah. come to my office. Please let me come back. I don't want to work from home. Please don't. The dog isn't there. The kids aren't there. The cat's not climbing on the keyboard. Right. right. I, I think a lot of people are going to, and then the social aspect of it too. I think it's a lot harder to be social, um, you know, when you're working remotely. So. Yeah, it's, it is, but then there's a bunch of introverts out there that are right now uniting and, you know, cheering, you know, praising themselves because they had it figured out all along and that that's working for them today. And the rest of us extroverts are like, oh my gosh, please, please let this get over with. I need human contact. (laughs) I need some human contact. I just need to talk to a person. That's where the, the new 800 lines will be. You know, this is your friend. Tell me anything you want. Kind of like the old 900 numbers they used to have. Uh huh. Be the new 700 number. Talk to me. I'm your friend. I'm your friend. No, not like that. Right. We're just going to talk very casually. This will be okay. (laughs) Well, with that, we probably ought to wrap it up. This has been the second episode of the Business and Mayhem podcast, and we're glad to have you. Uh, Remember, all of the links that we talked about on the show are on our uh, website. And so go check those out with the show notes. This is episode two. And uh, Mm -hmm. if you like, uh, what you hear is throw us some bucks because you know making a podcast isn't free so there's a link to our patreon account uh at, at our website there and uh if you have feedback for us we'd love to hear from you uh please go over and you know on itunes and give us uh throw us some review and uh, let us know what you think um or send us some feedback our our email is listed uh, on the show notes so uh this is chris and tara and until next time we'll see you later <laughs>